Welcome to People's Church Podcast. Here's a story I want to read you to start off with. One that you probably have heard. Actually, one of my favorites just because of all that it can teach us. Then they came to the town of Jericho as Jesus was leaving there with his followers and a great many people. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he read, or heard, sorry, when he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was walking by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many people warned the blind man to be quiet, but he shouted even more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, tell the man to come here. So they called the blind man saying, cheer up, get to your feet. Jesus is calling you. The blind man jumped up, left his coat there, and went to Jesus. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man answered, teacher, I want to see. Jesus said, go, you are healed because you believed. At once the man could see and he followed Jesus on the road. There's five things I want to bring to you out of that particular story about fulfilling the song you've just heard. But under this titling, his best or your best, or his best is your best, his best will be your best, however you wish to finish that sentence for that title, you can have either your best or his best in life. You can have that within every facet of your life. The blind man was sitting by the road. That was his daily place. His blindness had placed him into a position where he could not see to develop all of the rest of who he was and what he would be required of him to go forward in life. He was trapped. You know, it's a hard place to be when we feel trapped. And the very best that he could produce for himself was a starting point, was on the side of a road. A lot of times that is where our lives are stuck. It's just in the side of a road and then they lack meaning and it doesn't really hit in the mark for us. We do our things, we have our high points, but in the real deeper assessments of life we have to say, it's still not there. It's not the best. It could be. The first thing I want to draw out of this story is just don't miss the moment. This particular man didn't miss the moment. Now, he didn't have preparation. It wasn't like he knew that Jesus and this great entourage was going to be coming down the road the next day. He didn't have preparation to prepare around all of his fears and insecurities and how will I do this and what will I do? And he didn't have any any time to make up a plan. It had to be spontaneity. It had to be just right now reaction. 
Mark 10, 46 to 47 says, As Jesus left town, a great crowd was following a blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road as Jesus was going by. He's already going by. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was nearby, he began to shout. He had voice. That's a good thing. Couldn't see, but he had voice. And he used what he had. He understood how desperately in his heart he wanted to see. He wanted to get over his blindness. He had never found the opportunity to do so. He had obviously heard the reports on Jesus. He had heard that this was a man who did miracles. Somehow this must be the Messiah. And he shouted, Jesus, son of David, which is a statement of Messiahship. Have mercy on me. Interesting word. Did you know that God doesn't owe you a thing? He doesn't owe you sight when you're blind. He doesn't owe you healing when you're sick. God doesn't owe you. But he gives mercy. And there's this incredible reaction and response within Bartimaeus that quickly comes and says, Jesus! I remember a discussion in a particular church when I was just a teenager. And they were having sort of this discussion about in that day that Christians were moving into just saying God all the time rather than Jesus. And there was a concern, sort of this theological concern of this movement away from that name. At the time, I really wouldn't have had an opinion on it. I just remember the debate. But I think in our lives, maybe that's partly true, that sometimes we have this movement to more of a general observation or a general titling of just God. It's not that it's wrong. It's not that it's wrong. But we're not specific in the titling of who our Savior is and what our God looks like. In him dwelt all of the Godhead bodily in Jesus. Sometimes we lose sight of who he is. There's a title that is used four times in the scripture. It goes something like this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. It's interesting because when it is used, it's used specifically with the descriptions of Jesus, who Jesus is. Alpha is just a word that is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. That's, that's it's just the Greek alphabet beginning and end. For us in English, it would be A and Z. Saying, I begin all things. Every word you make up comes from an alphabet that starts with A. Every story you're going to write is going to incorporate the alphabet from A to Z. And every story of our lives have this alpha and omega feel to it. The problem is, is when we kind of treat it as sort of our own alpha, we are the alpha, we are the beginning, and we are the end of our life. You are not. That's the most foolish way to live. Jesus is. I am the first and the last, he said. More than the last, in Colossians we read, there is no 
no, the creation itself, there is no existence of creation without Jesus. He is the one of the Godhead that created all things. And all things stay together because of him. Sometimes we underplay this name Jesus. Sometimes we don't quite get the power, the sovereignty, the godhood of just that simple name, Jesus. That's why it's such an affront when it is used in a profane way. Profanity is not rough language. We're talking about, if you want to talk about true uh, kind of profanity, there's really only one kind of true profanity, and that is to take the Lord's name in vain. What is the Lord's name? Jesus. Because it's the name above all names. There is no other name but that name. Now that's a powerful thought when you begin to understand that sometimes maybe, you know, we're using the word God and, and, and when we should be thinking more specifically about God in Christ and that the Father and Him are one. The Father was in Him and He is in the Father and you cannot separate. If you'd known my Father, you would have known me, He said. If you knew me, you know the Father. Jesus. Jesus, Son of David. That means Jesus, Messiah, you've come. You've come. You've left heaven. You've come. Bartimaeus had great insight. Maybe sometimes when you're blind, you get better insights because as you reduce your senses, you pay attention more to the senses that you have. Have mercy. On me. What an interesting statement. Have mercy. Mercy means I have gaps. I've got gaps. I got moral gaps. I got physical gaps. I got emotional gaps. I got mental gaps. We all have gaps. And mercy is that which comes and says, it's okay that you got gaps. Sometimes we struggle with the humility to admit those gaps. But this man was beyond that. He had been humbled enough being carried to a side of a road on enough mornings to wait for some kind of glad handing throughout the day so that he could live. It wasn't just the need to live though, it was the need to really live that he was missing out on and that caused his heart to break that day out with a spontaneity that says, don't leave me here by the side of the road. So a lot of things put us on the side of the road in life. Loss of different varieties, different, different times. They put you on the side of the road, loss of your health, loss of your wealth, loss of people around you. Loss of things that you held insecure, insecurity for yourself. The loss of plans made. Loss. And it can place us on the side of a road just kind of trying to survive. And that's only, the, that is not a good place to be in the first place. But the idea is, 
God's not interested in you just surviving. He wants you to thrive. But the first thing is don't miss the moment. And what would cause you to miss the moment? Oh my Bartimaeus, you could have been so hard-hearted. You could have been such a victim mentality. Poor me. Oh, Bartimaeus, you could have been in such a sour place that day because again, you have to be carried out to the side of a road. Oh, Bartimaeus, you could have been in the wrong-hearted position for the best that God could bring. And here comes God walking down the road. And your heart, Bartimaeus, is so far from who is walking by Because you have placed yourself by the side of the road, not others now. You've accepted that placement. You've said, that is what the best I can do. That's my best. That's my best. Oh, you might be doing that in relationship. That's our best. That's my best. But your heart's not there. It's not ready to receive. It's not ready to grab the best that God has. You got to be ready for these moments because when he comes, it's not like you got this think of a day ahead. What am I going to do? Your heart needs to be in a spontaneous position of humility to say, I know what I want and I don't care really at this point in time of anything that's going to try and get in the way. I know what I want. Luke 9, 62, Jesus said, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put off God's kingdom till tomorrow. Seize the day. Wow. That's a pretty strong statement, you know. No procrastination. How many here have exercise equipment in their basement right now that has not been used for at least one week? Two weeks? How about two years? Two years? Come on, join me in it. Come on. You know, we get all this stuff. When, when I was just with my brother for a, a, a time, um, and he has this watch that measures everything. And he's looking and he said, oh yeah, 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 my heartbeat got up to this because if we were bike riding or whatever, if we were doing whatever. So he's, he's got all the measurements. You know what I'm talking about? So he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, uh, my heart just got up to 172. That's the biggest it's ever gone, he said for, for years. He was so proud of this and I was just so glad he didn't have a heart attack. <laughs> my gosh. You know, here we are in Mexico and he has a heart attack and I'm going, hey, senor, he's dead. We get everything to measure just to procrastinate too. You can have it all but never use it. You can have all this stuff but never do it. And that's how we can walk in our faith. And we have all of these moments that God creates for us where Jesus is passing by you. And it's just like, yeah, another day. And he says, seize the day. Don't procrastinate on the kingdom of God any longer. No backward looks. Don't put it off till tomorrow. No, no manana. Secondly, we don't want to just not miss the moment. 
we want to confront fears. There is not one movement forward that you can take without fear. I talked to somebody recently, I said, it's not about not having fear. It's about not giving fear your best stuff. Don't give it your best talents. Don't give it your best thinking. Don't give it your best. Don't give it your best strength. Don't give it your best. Starve it. You're going to have it, but starve it. Don't put your best tools in its hands. Oh, I, 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 I can solve it. We'll do it. No. That don't work too well. Hold your best tools for faith. Not fear. You're going to have to confront fear. Look at this scripture in Mark 10, 48. Good news says, many of the people scolded him, Bartimaeus, and told him to be quiet. Other versions said, they literally were saying, shut up. But he shouted even more loudly, have mercy on me. How in touch are you with your gap? How hungry are you for God's help and God's mercy or God's touch? How hungry are you for that kind of input into your life? Or is your fear so got you controlling the hunger so that, so that you don't step out too far? You, you, you don't expose yourself too much. You, you hold back. In his case, these people all around him are trying to control the environment and they have not given value to this man's journey. He's just a blind beggar. He is brought to the edge of the road. His potentials are gone. The possibilities are not there. He has the lid on. He can go nowhere further than he is gone. How dare he interrupt the rest of us who still have a journey that is growing and got more potential. Have you ever put yourself at the bottom of a pile and tried to breathe? Bartimaeus would have none of it that day. His, he got full voice. So he went from loud to louder. Because he wasn't going to miss the moment and he was not going to let fear of what other people thought of him Hold him back. Talked to somebody not too long ago who has a, a bit of a fear about following Christ because their family would be so opposed. I, I have no answer for that person. Because when it comes to your own choices and your own heart and your own hungers, if the crowd controls that stuff, I don't care what cheerleader you get on your team, you aren't going past that. You have to get to the point where you go past the controls around you of other people so that you can follow God. Confront these fears. Thirdly, like we need to clarify what you want. You really need to be clear on this. And who can give it? Mark 10, 51. 
Jesus has said, bring this man to me. He brings, they bring the blind man to him. It's interesting because he said, you bring him to me. He didn't just go and walk over to him. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Well, you say, I wish he'd ask me that question. Oh, he is all the time. All the time. That question is out there on the table. What do you want me to do for you? See, Jesus responds to faith. Jesus responds to your trust in him. Jesus responds to the passion of your heart for what good things you want. He responds to your heart that's broken and saying, I want this relationship fixed. I want it fixed. Not, oh, no, no. He responds to the passion, the pain. He responds to the honesty. He responds to faith that takes those things and connects with him. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man answered. Didn't have to think about it. Didn't have to think about it. Teacher, I want to see. Oh, his heart, his heart, his eyes may have been blind, but his heart was wide awake. It was, he had good inner sight. He was clear where it mattered right here. He couldn't see here. Oh, but go he could see here. He knew exactly what he wanted. You know, for us, it's often the opposite. We can see here, but we can't see here. It's just covered in fog. It's covered in what do we really want? What do I really want to do? And what should I really do? And, and, and what, what, if God asked me that question, what, what, what would I answer? You should be clear. Right here. This is your best sight. Right here. Don't lose this sight. It's too easy to lose. So blind Bartimaeus, he says, teacher, I want to see. Well, the crowd is really interested in this exchange and what's transpiring. James 4.15 says, you want to say, if it is the Lord will, we will live and do this or that. That's telling us that, look, the Lord's going to give you mercy. He's going to do what he wants to do. And he'll do it the way that he wants to do it. You need to trust his lordship and you need to ask out of the passionate heart and a clarity of inner sight of what you want and let him groom your heart to his will so that when the requests come out, your heart has been groomed to what his will is. If you have no will that has been groomed to repair relationship. To forgive. Then you can't receive. But when you let your heart be groomed by him. You will be asking according to his will. And when we ask according to his will. We know that we have what we ask for. The Bible says. Galatians 3.27 says this. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. An adult faith is a faith that can see. It's been groomed. It has a maturity about it. It's something that 
it knows to get out of the way so that God can have the day and do what he wants to in that moment. It is not just all of a sudden reactive in prayer. It is something that you've known all along your heart has been grooming for. Lord, I want this repaired. I want this, I want this put right. I want this healed. I, Lord, I, here's what I want. I, I want to be stronger in my body. Your heart has been prepared. You must let God prepare you. This man did. How do we know this? Because he was so clear. And he wasn't all fogged up with this victim and poor me kind of mindset. That, by the way, yes, it's very, very prevalent today. Which is one of the greatest traps because that really is just enforcing the side of the road on every issue of your life. I'm on the side of the road in relationships. I'm on the side of the road when it comes to my own development of my gifts and my talents and who I am in this life. Clarify what you want and who can give it. He knew there wasn't another Jesus a hundred yards back or a hundred meters back coming down the road. He recognized this was the moment. He knew who he was asking. He understood who Jesus was, and he needed an alpha moment. He needed a new start, a new beginning. Not one that he could do, but one that only Jesus could do. And Jesus could give him that alpha moment, that new beginning, that new start. He knew who Jesus was. Fourthly, bring God's grace and your faith together. Mark 10, 52 says this, Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight. What came together in that moment? Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? This man was clear, his heart was prepared, had been made, made prepared and ready and willing at that moment to receive. He let nothing get in the way. Fear of people and their response was not going to hold him back. He came forward, became absolutely vulnerable in those situations, but he actually became strong and clear about what he wanted that moment. That is a position of change, a new start. It's grace. So God gave him grace, both in the presence of Jesus, and now he gave him grace through the power of Jesus, and he receives what he asked for, and he says, your faith has made you well. Look, God, by grace, has everything available for you. It's your faith that needs to connect with his grace. So often we are not trusting God's grace. We don't think we deserve it or we have to earn it or we think we're not good enough for it. And all I can tell you is you're right on all that stuff. Just leave it alone. You can't win in that game. That's not the game you're in. You're in a game of grace. You're never going to deserve the mercy. How can you deserve mercy? If you need mercy, you need mercy. Your faith has to connect with grace. It can't connect through your good works or how strong you feel that day or in that moment. In fact, it's when you are the weakest that grace can be the most profound moments of your life. When you say, I don't have the ability here to let go of this, to forgive this, to walk away from that, to walk into that. I don't, I don't have, you're right. 
But that's when his grace is more than enough. And you trust his grace, which is his gifts to you. I don't have it. Gift it, Lord. Gift it. Gift me courage. Gift me the wisdom. Gift me, gift me, gift me, gift me. I got to get out of this stupid idea of trying to earn it or create it myself or be the source of everything. My faith needs to connect with your grace, your gifts, your gifts, your gifts, your gifts. I need your gifts. We always need his grace. You're never in a place where you won't need it. Your faith needs to connect with that. And in that connection, there is you will be made well. And immediately he regained his sight. John 1.16 says, From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. And it's kind of got this, this sentence has sort of this feel to it. After another, after another, after another, after another. Wow. Why is it so hard to connect to grace, our faith? Why, why is that such a difficult marriage? Because oftentimes, you see, the only strength we've known is our own. And the only strength you've ever trusted is your own because it gives you a sense of control. Even in the weakness or even in failure, it can give you a sense of control. And then you find out it's not enough. Romans 4.16 says that's why faith is the key. God's promise is given to us as a free gift. Lastly, now move. He regained his sight. And he began to take up the career he always wanted to take up. He regained his sight and he went and built the house he wanted to always build. He regained his sight and he went and did the business that he always wanted to do. He regained his sight and he traveled because he had always wanted to see these faraway places. He regained his sight. Sometimes, you know, he understood something. He could regain this sight and still be very blind. He regained his sight and followed Jesus down the road. Well, <laughs> for me, that's really a powerful hit. This guy got it. He knew that the highest and best, his best, would be travel the world, see the sights, his best, build the house you always wanted, his best, do the business that you've dreamed of, his best, let's take up the profession I've always wanted to be. He, he would have been making that in a normal world, the pursuits of the rest of his life, now that he had the faculty of sight once again, or maybe for the first time ever. But when he could see, he just turned and became one of the followers as Jesus kept going down the road. I love that. That's just beautiful. Because in that moment, the point of clarity is, for him, very, very simple. Are you kidding me? This is God. 
This is the Messiah. This is Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega. Nothing exists except by him. And I'm going to go and do my thing? James 2.14, if people say they have faith but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. See, he wasn't going to walk away from a faith moment and say, well, now I'm going to take what faith brought me by and got me from the grace of God and I'm going to go now and do my thing. It was, I'm going to live faith. I want to live faith. I'm following. I spoke at my brother Al's funeral along that line. It was basically a very simple message. He just followed the presence. If the presence said, go here, you go there. If the presence said, do this, you do this. The presence, Jesus, Jesus in his life. He just followed along the road. Never got rich by man's standards, not even close. <laughs> I could tell some funny stories on that, but... Man, he had some wealth. See, I watched him. I watched him and his wife, Jerry, have a stream of people, have a stream of people come in and out of their home. And it's, it's always interesting that, you know, those eight, ten people that would show up almost on a daily basis, different ones from all over the north dropping in. It was always around dinner time. I lived in that house for a few months. That's how much I could take, okay? For a few months. I'm still in recovery. <laughs> People would just show up, they come in. Oh, dinner? There was never a meal that Jerry would put on that was just for the, 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 the household. I'm serious about this. I mean, it was a revolving door. But I watched him love on people. Just love them. This was his way. This was his best way. He wasn't a pulpiteer in the pure sense of the word. He was, he, he was somebody with that personal hand touch and with the smaller group. And Oh, man, the richness of oh. Some of the meetings up north, they'd be in a home. Let's say we're in Fort Vermilion. So I would go. I had never been exposed to this kind of meeting. So we would go. We would sit in there, and already the meeting, by the time we got there, has been going a couple hours. And they'd have their amps on, their guitars going, and there'd be a lot of singing, and they're singing, and they're singing. And, and I'm, I'm a person of the clock. You don't believe me, but I actually am. And I would sit down and I would be listening. There's all of this music's going on and it's loud. You think this, is, this isn't loud? You know the reason I have, I have a little deafness issues at times? It's my brother L's fault. You're in this little enclosed place. Amps are cranked up. And you know the worst part about it is the tuning. 
How many, how many know what I'm talking about? It was like this, but it was the most wonderful atmosphere. Most beautiful people. Most importantly, Jesus was there. They didn't miss the moment. They took the time. They really didn't. It was, it was incredible. They weren't too worried about what I thought about their timelines. First exposure, I was wondering, when does this end and how long is the preaching going to be? That was long too, by the way. They knew what they wanted. A touch from God, strength, healing. They knew God was a God of grace. And they put their faith in the gifts that God would bring. But all of us end up at this last point. Now move. He's got a road for you. It's his. It's his best. Which is really your best. But you can go my best. And miss the best. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, and a fresh start. Catch that. A fresh start. An alpha. An alpha comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. Everything you get from God comes from Jesus Christ. That's how he has brought these grace gifts. So let me give you a key at the end of this, who is your Alpha and Omega? Who's your start and finish? Who is the first and the last? Who is your beginning and end in your life, in your day, in your family? What story is being written with that alphabet? Are you the Alpha and Omega of your life and you're writing your story? I'm not saying there's some good things in your story. But your story surrendered to his story is so much more beautiful and so much more powerful. Listen to this particular scripture in Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. 12 through 13, I'm going to read it in two different versions. It's Jesus talking. And Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In this it becomes clear that he's saying, look, there is this wonderful zone that I sustain and I'm the beginning of it and I'm the end of it and you get to journey in it. You can be a part of the big alpha and omega or you can create your own little 
sit by the side of the road. Here's my beginning. And here's my end. But he says, my reward comes with me. Don't move away from following after the kingdom of God. Get up. Move. Now. In another version, same verse. Yes, I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. I'm bringing my payroll with me. I'll pay all people in full for their life's work. I'm A to Z, the first and the final beginning and conclusion. Jesus. Jesus. When we profane his name, that's not what this message is about, but it's not just a spoken word. You can profane his name by ignoring his alpha and omega over everything. You need a new start? You can go for your best or you can go for his. His is going to groom you for his will. It's going to put you into a truthful environment, an honest environment, a gracious environment. It's going to give you a merciful environment. It's going to give you things that really heal and choose to really grow you. There's your, he, he'll put you in a beautiful process. Bartimaeus had a choice. Jesus didn't say, come follow me. He told him, go. Go your way. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Go your way. Your choice. Go your way, your faith has made you well. Up to you. We've been talking about servanthood. He brings the payroll with him. Not eternal life. You don't have to earn eternal life. You can't earn eternal life. You can't earn the great gift of God that way. But you've got a life in you that he will reward. He says, my reward comes with me. And a well-lived life and surrender to the Alpha and Omega that rules in the end all of us. Bears great reward. Would you stand with me, please? Go your way. Father, what a magic moment that was for Bartimaeus, but for us to stand back and observe in all of the amazing design that comes out of that moment, the possibilities, the ability to leave the sides of the road where so many have fallen and sit and wait. Father, you're not doing that. You've called us to a life of following Christ. And he's always going down the road. And he gives us an opportunity. And I pray this morning in many hearts in this room and online, there would be a simple response to you that basically just says, Lord, (laughs) whew, I want your Alpha and I want your Omega. I'm tired of mine. 
I am not the Alpha and Omega. Father, in our hearts, I pray as Christians, for those of us who have made this commitment to our love, our lives to you, that we would not take those words, go your way as, just go do what you want. But I pray that we'd feel the constraint of mercy given, of grace gifts received, that constrains us by love, astounded, of what he has given us. Grateful to the top of the scale. And that our feet would turn and follow him. And take on the big dreams of life. Just with your head bowed for a moment. Look, I got to go here today. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're living your own Alpha and Omega. You're doing your own deal. You decide your starts. You're deciding your finishes. It, that's just your deal. I'm not saying there isn't good in it. I'm saying there's better. Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the creator. He is the one that has given you life and offers you grace and mercy. And this might be your moment. Get up from the side of the road and say, I know what I want. I want you, Jesus. And if that's where you're at this morning, your simple little prayer to open your heart and your mind to him and you'd say something like this, just in the quietness of your own heart, this is you and God. You're either gonna make this commitment or you don't. But it would be Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on me. I have so many gaps. Give me mercy. Heal me. So I want you to come into my life. Forgive every sin. But now be the leader of my life. I'm not interested in just going away with the blessings of what you bring. I want to follow. So I choose followership. I'm just going to turn and walk right after you down that road. If you're a believer today, it's so easy for us to have physical sight and lose the inner eyes. And they're the only eyes that can really follow Jesus. Your outer eyes are going to look on waves and you're going to sink. They're going to look on situations and you're going to fail. But you must have inner eyes. And they look to Jesus. And you get back on the road. Don't take what he has given you and just chase your stuff. That's your Alpha and Omega. Live for the real Alpha and the real Omega. The true beginning of everything and the true end of everything. And that's where meaning is. And be a servant of his. Get serving. Get serving. Get serving. 
Father, bless this congregation, bless every, every heart, and may they feel the beauty of your spirit and your word today as they ponder these things and how gracious you are with, with each one of us. And may we leave elevated knowing that Jesus Christ is our Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.